Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. Welcome into Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. So this happens to me all the time. I'm uh, I'm getting ready to do the show. I've got a I've got a rundown of things I'm going to talk about. I got the news set up, big headlines, the world of soccer, with our typical American slant over here because we be Americans. And just as I'm about to go on the air, somebody sends me a tweet or Trevor sends me a message. Not usually Trevor. It's usually something like a tweet or a text message or something. And I get thrown off my, my rhythm. Just, I'm ready to go. I've got all this stuff lined up. It's going to be very smooth. And then somebody sends me something and I get all distracted. And here's my distraction today. Alexander Gago has sent me a tweet on Twitter. That's where you send tweets. U.S. soccer media have not had the courage to interview Chuck, meaning Chuck Blazer. Then he links to a story at The Spectator, headlined, Does Chuck Blazer Actually Exist? by Charles Moore. Now, I haven't read this piece because, yeah, it's just brand new to my eyes and brain. But just to make it clear, this show was mere seconds away from well minutes days whatever we had a we had a actual communicate we had actual communication with Mr. Chuck Blazer and we're very close to getting him on this show to talk about everything i guess i mean i don't know what we had on the agenda quite yet we were just trying to get it lined up and, and confirmed and then i think this is about the time that the man took the plea deal <laughs> i think that's what happened and now that he is under, you know, a government watch, so to speak, and is providing said government with information, it's very unlikely anybody's going to have a chance to interview Chuck Blazer, whether he's of, uh, whether he exists or not. Sorry for that divergence. That's a little pull back the curtain moment here on Soccer Morning. Uh, big show for you today. Daniel Squizato from Canadian Soccer News will join us. At 9.40 a.m. Eastern to talk about, well, Canada. They went to goalless last night uh, in their match against El Salvador. A point in Group B, the same as Canada and Costa Rica. We'll get to that here in the headlines momentarily. In fact, let's do that now. In between the headlines and Squiz, uh, we will, and yes, that's what people call him, we will t- open up the phone lines and let you have your say on the Gold Cup, on, hey, Chuck Blazer, on anything for that matter. Let's start with MLS officially announcing that long-rumored mechanism for signing mid-level players, uh, by buying down mid-level players. It gets a little convoluted and complicated because it's MLS rules, and that's what they do. They've announced targeted allocation money. This mechanism allows teams to buy down a designated player who fits between a narrow salary band of about $430,000 and a million dollars so that they can open up a DP slot. Now, I just got done reading Kevin McCauley's take at at SB Nation on this, 
because I'll admit it's difficult to follow all of the MLS rules. Sometimes you need somebody with a clear understanding of what's going on to lay it out for you. His take is that this is a positive because it'll force uh, it will force some of the cheaper owners in the league to either spend or make the big teams stronger, which they're not going to want to do or they shouldn't want to do from a competitive standpoint. Uh, I'm not yet there because my understanding is still rudimentary and we still haven't seen it in action yet. But I could see how that might might work. And apparently if you do use this money, which comes in the form of $100,000 over five years, or you can use it as a as a lump sum now, which I imagine how L.A. will be using it to buy down Omar Gonzalez and bring in Giovanni Dos Santos, provided those numbers work out. I'm a little unclear about the numbers. Uh, but if you use it, then you need, if you use it to buy down a DP player, then you have to replace that DP, meaning you have to fill that slot that you've opened up. You're required to do that. And if you don't use it now, you have to use it next year, something like that. And in essence, you have to use it up. You're required to use it up. You can't just sit on it. You can trade it, but the market might not be very big for it. So a lot of uh, elements here. Yes, convoluted MLS rules adding to the pile. I know. Gold Cup, as I mentioned, Costa Rica and Jamaica tied 2-2. An entertaining draw for those two nations and in Group B. And now with Canada and El Salvador uh, drawing 0-0, everybody in Group B is now on one point. And what was interesting about last night's action in the Gold Cup is that for as uh, for um, for as as exciting for as exciting as the Jamaica Costa Rica game was, and Joel McEnough or Joel McEnough's goal was good, the Can- the Canada El Salvador game threw up some uh, some really terrible stuff. Some amazingly terrible stuff. I feel really bad for Kyle Aaron today. And you have to believe that, that Canada dodged a bullet on the other end a couple of different times if you watched any of that match. Tonight's action, Guatemala and Trinidad and Tobago in Group C. Cuba and Mexico also in that same group. So we'll see how that group uh, begins to shake out. You would imagine that Mexico uh, you imagine that Mexico is the heavy, heavy favorite, not only in their game, but in the group, of course. And the uh, the rumors are out there that uh, Giovanni Dos Santos' deal with the LA Galaxy is f- officially complete. But what I've seen is that they may not announce it until after the Gold Cup. And certainly Giovanni Dos Santos will have a big role to play in the um, in the Gold Cup for Mexico as they attempt to to claim a title and get themselves into that playoff for the Confederations Cup spot. Speaking of Chuck Blazer. FIFA has officially banned him for life because, well, he's corrupt. Uh, Trick Blazer was banned for life by FIFA's executive, sorry, ethics committee on Thursday for widespread corruption, finally ending the career of the longtime most senior American in world football. The expulsion from formal duty was a formality after Blazer's guilty plea to racketeering and tax evasion charges was unsealed in May by United States federal agencies. Here is your statement. Blazer was a key player in schemes involving the offer, acceptance, payment, and receipt of undisclosed and illegal payments, bribes, and kickbacks, as well as other money-making schemes, the FIFA Ethics Committee said in a statement. So there you go. No more more Chuck Blazer in world football, which we didn't expect anyway. The most interesting rumor yesterday to bounce around the interwebs was this possibility of Preki. Yes, that Preki heading to Leicester to be their next manager. Now, the reason that these rumors popped up, and we're tracking them, but nothing is confirmed. And until I'm going to stay stick with my poli- my player policy until I see Preki at a press conference being announced as the new Leicester manager, I won't believe it. Uh, but the bookies in in the UK slashed odds on Preki to uh, the lowest on the board, and then Preki announced he was leaving Sacramento Republic and specifically mentioned a job in the U.K., specifically mentioned a challenge, specifically mentioned the highest level of football. So you connect all of these dots, and it seems to be that Preki is going to be the next Fox's manager. I do not understand this at all, except that maybe because Lester had a former Serbian owner, there's a connection there somehow. We're still waiting to flesh all of this out. 
it seems as though people in England are extremely confused as well. The new FIFA rankings are out, and yes, I know you're excited, and you put a lot of stock in them, and so I will give them to you. The United States men's national team has fallen to 34th in the FIFA rankings. Mexico down to 40, Costa Rica down to 41. Again, nobody cares about the rankings. Argentina is your new number one, if you were interested in that whatsoever. Wales cracking the top 10, moving from 12 to 10. I'm sorry, moving up 12 places to 10 from 22. Romania is your number eight in the world. Austria is number 15 in the world. I'm just picking a couple of interesting uh, nations here. Scotland's number 29. Tunisia, number 32, ahead of the United States. So there's your FIFA rankings. When we come back, let's open up the phone lines. We'll talk to you about whatever's on your mind. Gold Cup, Chuck Blazer, FIFA rankings, Giovanni Dos Santos. Do it all. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. This week, the U.S. men's national team kicks off its campaign to try to win back-to-back Gold Cups for the first time since 2005 and 2007. As many of you know, the past month of Women's World Cup and Copa America coverage have been augmented by our sponsor, Rabble.tv. They've given people like me, Jerry Dubois, and Thomas Floyd an opportunity to provide you with an alternate commentary to several memorable games. Now that the Gold Cup is kicking off, we're going to continue our relationship with Rabble. Each U.S. game over the next week will feature a Rabble audio broadcast, including Friday's game, where I'll be bringing you USA against Haiti, as well as Monday, July 13th's game between USA and Panama, which will feature audio dialogue from World Soccer Talk's Cardiff Krishnire. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to me sharing my analysis. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Cheer on the red, white, and blue with Rabble.tv today. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are on a Thursday on Soccer Morning right here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. I'm just going to let this play out a little bit. I like this song. It's a good song. If I, don't play, if I play too much of it, I get in trouble. I think that's how that works. We are here on a Thursday, as I said. The phone lines are open, 646-832-3909. Whatever is on your mind on a Thursday. Could it be... I don't know, the Gold Cup and Canada and El Salvador and Jamaica and Costa Rica. Any surprises there to see the Jamaicans come back twice on Costa Rica, end up with a draw in that game? Does that make it more difficult for Costa Rica? Slightly. Still have them as favorites, especially considering that the other two teams in the group drew as well. If Canada had managed to take a a, a lead in the group with three points against El Salvador or vice versa, maybe you say, "Uh uh-oh, Costa Rica looking at a second or third place finish in the group, but I very seriously doubt that's at this point. Uh, although I didn't get to see much of that game. So if anybody has any uh, any particular insight onto how Costa Rica played, because after the United States and Mexico, most people would have them as the third favorite. And here we are. They've, uh, they've kind of not laid an egg in their opener, but not shown as strongly as you might have expected. And give J- Jamaica credit, of course. McEnough's goal was ridiculous goal of the tournament so far i would think pretty pretty easily my miss i'm not missing any goals am i any great goals from the gold cup yeah six four six eight three two three nine zero nine also go through this allocation money oh and by the way i have not yet gotten the opinion of the soccer morning community on the atlanta united logo crest badge thing emblazing and uh, whatever that is i've yet to ask you guys how you feel about that gold a with the black and white black and red stripes by the way what's this what's this thing so milan is wishing atlanta well aston villa is on twitter wishing atlanta well uh darren eels is on twitter saying thank you milan we'll do this red and black stripes proud i mean what's happening what is happening around 
what? I don't understand any of that. That's did somebody call Aston Villa? It's, it's just like one of those deals when, when you see uh, a bunch of players who have been signed up to the same marketing firm to produce to to push something, like like with the with the um, uh, the Scots deal for the Women's World Cup, and like Mike McGee was on on that campaign, a couple other uh, American soccer players on that campaign. So you had like everybody coordinating, like when they tweeted their stuff, or like you had random tweets that are tagged with the branding hashtag and you knew it wasn't just completely organic it had it had somebody behind the scenes was saying hey can you tweet this out that's what it feels like when Aston Villa is welcoming an MLS welcoming Atlanta to to world football as the newest MLS club like what what is happening the same thing with Milan to a lesser extent although I guess if Atlanta's going to bite Milan style Milan might as well acknowledge it That's kind of okay. And what do you make of the the stripes in general? I mean, uh, Atlanta puts them in their again, puts them in their crest. Chooses that this is going to be they they can't back away from this now. Now we've seen look, we've seen MLS teams change up their look. I mean, that that used to be the Metro Stars look, the red and black stripes. So now they're going to, and the Metro Stars became the Red Bulls, and they obviously went away from it. And we've seen teams drop their traditional style in MLS. I'm put quotes around that because it's a young league, and these teams aren't very old. But we've seen them do that. And Atlanta can never do that. Can never, ever, ever, ever do that, unless they change their logo. Which I guess they could, because that's what teams do now, too. Here's the tweet. Big welcome to ATLUTD, which is the handle for Atlanta United, into the global football family as they are set to become the newest member of the MLS, hashtag AFVC, AF, sorry, AVFC, I can't say that, hashtag ATLUTD, hashtag that, there you go. All right, here we, this is good. We're going to get my man in uh, Brooklyn, Eddie, tell me how Costa Rica did yesterday against Jamaica. What's up, what's up, Eddie? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. No, um, so yeah, uh, I got to actually analyze the game last night. So oh, I was like lasered in for your job. On, uh, on. Yeah, for the job. All right, go ahead. Yeah, so um, I think two the the two main things that you can take away from the game is uh, one, Roy Miller isn't a center back. If you didn't know that, um, your name is probably <laughs> Paulo Wanchop, and you probably still don't know that. And it's infuriating that a guy like Kendall Waston doesn't get on the roster because he has preference for this cat. Kaner Brown, and then I have to see Roy Miller start at center back instead of Michael Domania. I think mm. both goals. Um, the first one was I, I put it on on Roy, and I think the second one it's more on Brian Reese. But Roy Miller just got absolutely shredded on the on the last challenge before yeah. I forgot. I even forgot who it was who scored. So Roy Miller can't start anymore at center back, and if he starts at center back, we're we'll probably get eliminated in the quarters. Um, and then it's just Brian Reese wasn't good enough. I think. Uh, Brian turned the ball over entirely too easily, uh, whether he was inaccurate with his passes or he was the, he was the one who was actually dispossessed that led to Jamaica's second goal. So um, just I'm just fixing that, those two things alone, which are easily fixable, I think will be fine. But there's I just kind of want to dispel the myth that Costa Rica should win Group B. I want to finish second in that group. Cause if, have you seen the brackets? I've looked at it. I can't remember exactly where, where second place ends up. Uh, Eddie, but so yeah, so if if you win Group B, you have to play the runner-up from Group A, which is probably going to be Honduras, yeah, maybe a Panama, right? Yeah. But if you finish runner-up in Group B, you get the runner-up in Group C, which is maybe a Guatemala or a Trinidad and Tobago, yeah, and that's that's much more of a yeah, that's of much a easier. Yeah. And not yeah. only that, but then you also go you get to play in uh, East Rutherford which isn't too far from Jersey and Connecticut where there's a, a pretty strong contingent in Costa Rica. So you will get a lot more of a home field advantage than you would if you had to go to Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. So the draw really in the end, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. I mean, I still think we're going to smash the other two because those two really just should stop playing soccer. But, um, you know, maybe Jamaica does the same and they, and they take it on goal differential, but I'm, I'm cool with finishing second. Well, it, but the problem is that you, it's real hard to target that. You know what I mean? Like you can't just no, I agree. Yeah, you can't bag games on the hope that you somehow end up 
you somehow end up in second place. Like he, for Juan Chope, he's he's got to he's got to just go for it and then hope that not go for it, but I mean like you got to play straight up and then if you happen to lose, you happen to lose. But now with the with the draw, I mean against against Jamaica, maybe maybe Jamaica goes and wins out and you know you lose uh, you end up second in goal differential or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to try and aim for that. I mean, the pressure is on him. The perception is going to be that we should win Group B if, if you want to be considered a favorite. So for him to finish second, I'm pretty sure he'll get a lot of heat, uh, either from the Costa Rican press or, or to get a lot of heat. Well, from, I mean, uh, the other the thing, pundits, the, the other thing though is if you, if you, all right, well, the other thing to consider from an American perspective certainly is that if Costa Rica finishes as the, as the runner up in Group B, they're on the other side of the bracket from the from the Americans, and you're, so you're over there with with Mexico. If Mexico wins Group C, which everybody expects Mexico to walk Group C, so then then you're playing Mexico and Atlanta in the semifinal. If you could pass that quarter, I'm, I'm I'm not saying you're worried about it, Eddie. I'm just pointing this out. No, I mean anywhere wherever you play Mexico on American soil, I think you're screwed. Yeah, um, right, right. Unless it's Columbus. Well, no, all, so I, I, all the semis. You know, are in you, Atlanta. you play them in Atlanta, you play them in Philly, you play them in Chicago. It's going to be the same. Yeah, well, both both uh, both semis are in Atlanta. The, my point is that it puts you on that side of the bracket, so that the only time. So basically, what I'm saying is it, it makes the the U.S. It makes their path to the final easier. If if Costa Rica, oh, no, it, definitely, it yeah. definitely does. Where yeah. Costa Rica finishes is going to determine whether. Whether Mexico gets an easier route or or yes. the U.S. gets an easier route, exactly. But you know what? It, given Costa Rica's history in the Gold Cup and and just the bad luck that we've had recently, you know, finishing a top Group B, I, there's no reason to believe that we would we wouldn't lose to an Honduras in the quarterfinals. I mean, it's happened before. Well, I mean, con- I think it's happened I, the last two times actually. Yeah, yeah, and Honduras looked. I think Honduras looked pretty good against the against the U.S. And if if they could put put some uh, shots on goal. Uh, on target, and, yeah. I'm, you know, go ahead. I, I'm, I'm a little. I find it a little debatable about how, like, on Duda's, Like, everybody's right now is giving a lot of credit to Pinto and what Pinto's done. But let me just say that the reason why Pinto was so successful, awesome Costa Rica, wasn't only because of his tactics. It was because of the players that he had sure. to to make those tactics work. Because sure. he doesn't have a Brian Ruiz and Honduras, and, and no. you could just see the quality. He doesn't have the wing backs that he had in in, in Costa Rica, and you could see the difference in quality there. So I mean, yeah, he 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 does wonderful things, but let's not also forget that he had some amazing talent in Costa Rica to make it work, and that's why it hasn't really looked that good with Honduras. Well, also, pretty much since he took over. I also think that they're gonna that the, the way that he had them playing on Tuesday, they're gonna burn out. Like they're just gonna burn out at some oh, yeah, point. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Eddie in Brooklyn, good he, stuff. You know, that's what he always does. He yeah. he always burns people out. Sorry, because yeah. no, no, he always no. burns people no. out. Because just that's, that's the way his training methods were, and that was one of the things that got him in trouble in Costa Rica with the players was just the way that he treated them, and eventually they just got burned out. Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate the I appreciate the thoughts on Costa Rica. We'll see what happens, um, you know, through the through the group stage, which only will only take about a week to get done. So maybe we'll uh, talk to you next week, Eddie. Uh-huh. All right, there goes Eddie in Brooklyn. Good stuff from him. The original shirt uh, number holder here on Soccer Morning. By the way, the phone number is six four six eight three two. 3909, you got thoughts on anything that's happening, uh, in the world of soccer. We'll talk about it. Uh, what is this about Robin Van Persie? He's going to, to Turkey. He's at Fenerbahce, where he's going to go play some soccer, uh, because apparently he can't get it done in Manchester United anymore. The man's always hurt. I mean, you know, I, he scored a bucket of goals for them when he signed from Arsenal, but then it just it went south pretty quickly. It just did. And now he doesn't have a place. Uh, so, uh, no Chicharito Hernandez, probably. No Robin Van Persie, but they've, they're moving on. They've got other options there. And Manchester United, as they always do. We're also on Twitter, at Soccer Morning. If you have thoughts um, on uh, the Gold Cup so far? Certainly on – give me your preference. If, the, if you're a very U.S. fan, we just what we just outlined there with Eddie, give me your preference. Would you rather have Costa Rica win the group, End up on the same side of, side of the bracket as the U.S. and likely face the United States in a semifinal in Atlanta. So USA, Costa Rica, semifinal Atlanta. Or would you rather have Costa Rica finish second in Group B, end up on the other side of the bracket, be facing Mexico in a semifinal, and then you're facing either Mexico or Costa Rica in a final if you're the United States? And you you, know, you have to get through. You have to get you know you have to get beyond your semifinal as well, your quarterfinal and your semifinal. The way things are working, the way they, this this bracket lays out, let's just do this. These possibilities here, and we don't know. Again, we don't know how this is going to play out, but we've got 
one game under the belt for everybody in Group A and B. The Group A winner, which is uh, the US, U.S. group, takes on the, the uh, third-place team in Group B or C based on who the lowest, uh, well, I imagine who the lowest seed is. It's a matter of, it's a matter of, uh, of seeding. Yeah. So you have in group B and C, if we consider who the likely third place teams are, you've got everybody on one point in group B. So that could be anybody. It could be Jamaica, Canada, El Salvador. I don't think, I don't think Costa Rica is going to finish third. But Jamaica, Canada, or El Salvador. Any one of those teams could finish third. Probably Canada or El Salvador finishes in the third spot. So you're looking at either a Canada quarterfinal or El Salvador quarterfinal or Group C's third place team. Probably, uh, I don't know. You got Guatemala, Trinidad, Tobago, and Cuba as your three possibilities with Mexico as the likely winner of that group. So who do you, I mean, who do you want to see? And then uh, the other side of uh, uh, the other quarterfinal that leads into the semi the U.S. will play in Atlanta, the Group A runner-up, so the second-place team in, in the U.S. group, probably Honduras or Panama, against the winner of Group B, which could be Costa Rica if they take care of business, but could also be, say, Jamaica. So you can, you can, consider, you consider the possibility it would be a, Jamaica, a U.S.-Jamaica quarterfinal, perhaps a... Um, Perhaps a uh, a U.S. Honduras quarterfinal. I mean, it, it, I don't know if that I want to see Honduras in the quarterfinal in Atlanta. I don't know if I'd rather see Jamaica. Stephen Clark on Twitter: One relatively more difficult knockout game is preferred over two. The question is simple to answer: Costa Rica to finish second. Yeah, I mean, I I, I get it, but I mean, you, and, you, and the United States is going to be a favorite all the way to the final. I mean, they may not be a favorite in the final, depending on how things shake out and what these teams look like over the course of the tournament. But they're going to be a favorite in the quarters. They're going to be a favorite in the semis. It's just a matter of when, who they face and when they face them. 646-832-3909. We're here until uh, 938, and then we're going to get out of the way so we can talk to Daniel Squizato from Canadian Soccer News. We'll t- touch on Canada's performance last night at the Gold Cup. Where they drew with El Salvador 0-0. How there were no goals in that game, I'm still, I don't understand that. We're still, we still have, we have top scientists trying to figure out how exactly Canada did not concede in that match. How Kyle Lahren managed to blow a one, a 1v1 against the keeper in which he routed the keeper and was clear how he manages to hit that ball 15 yards over the goal. And I feel bad for Kyle Lahren because I don't think I could do it. But of course, I'm not a professional soccer player. Landed on Twitter. The uh, ATL logo is dumb. Just a na- another generic Euro-style crest. Better than New England, which looks like a five-year-old's crayon art. Of all the teams left in MLS that have yet to rebrand, and I know that's an ugly word, we don't like it, but of all the teams left to rebrand, I think, I think New England is the one, is the most pressing one, right? If you go back and look, if you go through all of the current MLS logos, and I'm including Atlanta now. Chicago, that's one of the best in, in the league and has been for a very long time. Colorado, okay, I'm not a big fan, but it's not terrible. Columbus just rebranded, just changed their logo, their crest. I like it. I'm cool with that. DC United, they could go, they could do something. In fact, I think there are rumors that DC United is considering rebranding around the launch of, uh, or the opening of their new stadium in a couple years. FC Dallas, we know that's a, a change. Since 2005, it's not a bad, that's not bad. The Dynamo is a little minor league baseball for me, but it's not terrible. The Galaxy is fine. LAFC, we don't know what their logo is going to look like yet. The Montreal Impact, I, there's a couple of elements I'm not a fan of, but it's not terrible. Yeah, the Revolution, I, I, I get the concept of the Revolution. I'm not against the concept, but definitely needs a refresh. Red Bulls, we know what that is. NYCFC is new. Orlando is new. Philadelphia, okay. Eh, okay. Portland, sure. RSL, I'm not sure anybody's a, a big fan of the RSL logo, but it's not a disaster. <clears throat> the new Quakes logo, which was uh, which is what, two years old now? Or is it just last year? They, oh, yeah, it was last year they rebranded. 
that's uh, that's a weird one. I don't get that dead that black space, that empty space there. I don't get the ball thing. We've established I'm no I'm no fan of the Telstar style ball on the logo. Don't know why you need that. Seattle Sounders, okay. Couple of elements I'm not a big fan of, but I I dig the basics. Sporting has the weird SC thing, but that's other than that, it's not terrible. Toronto's is fine, and Vancouver's is great. So in the hierarchy of MLS MLS badges, and Steven's telling me it's not a rumor DC United will reveal a new logo this November. Okay, there you go. So we have a, a new DC United logo to look forward to, a refresh for them. But of the of these clubs, of these MLS teams, and ATL UTD fits somewhere in there. Atlanta United fits somewhere in the middle, I think. Daniel in Atlanta, who's not uh, you're not going to be an Atlanta United fan. You're going to stick with your club, right? I'm going to stick with, with Galaxy, but I'll still come out and support the local Atlanta club okay. with you, my you, Galaxy kid. Well, I mean, you can't turn down the chance to go see some live soccer. I'm not saying, or, you know, big-time MLS. Like, you should be going out to Silverbacks games, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody get on me about that. That's fine. And what's on your mind, uh, Daniel? Uh, the U.S. Men's National Team was fairly disappointing um, on their last win, weren't they? They were. There wasn't a lot. Of, there wasn't a lot of super big positives out of that match. But at the same time, and and I said it yesterday, I know a lot of people have been writing about it. In the Gold Cup group stages, things just are are not easy. And while Honduras played differently than we might have expected them to, I still I'm still going to give the U.S. a pass until uh, you know until we see something really troubling in either a semi or a final. I mean, shit. They had. Um, <laughs> sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. Go ahead. Um, and if it weren't for Andy Nahar, I think if he would have got his goals on target, if he would have got his shots on target, we would have been talking about a different. Yeah, but but, uh, but Daniel. Score. But Daniel, that's that. You can't just you can't just switch that variable and then, you know, I understand that Honduras probably was the better team across the the whole of the game. But when the when the when it mattered, the United States got the job done, and they certainly put the ball in the net, which is the whole point of the sport. So if Honduras didn't, then you can't just say, "Well, if they had done this, well, yeah." If um, if uh, if if Clint Dempsey suddenly turned into Lionel Messi, we won, might have won four nothing. I mean, I don't know what I don't know. What, we can't do ifs and buts here. No, yeah, no, I don't know, but I'm just saying, like the way that he took control. Made it seem like our defense wasn't in sync. If you hear what I'm saying? No, I agree with that. Certainly agree with that. But are you we actually? Are you actually? But are you well, actually worried for the game against Haiti on Friday, or or the the game against uh, Panama next week? Oh my God, I'm super worried about Haiti. Oh my God. <laughs> See? See, that's what it is. That's the Gold Cup, though. So you start out with Honduras, the most difficult game in your group. You don't look very good. You squeak out a win, which is all that really matters here. Then you go to, to to Gillette Stadium and you play Haiti. And let's be honest, the United States should walk over Haiti. Oh man, Haiti! Haiti's the toughest team in this group. I'm telling you, man. Okay, you're you're not you're not convincing, Daniel. I'm sorry. No, it's it, the U.S. should win this, no matter what happens. You know. And if they don't, it's very disappointing, but they should win it, you know? Yeah, so so we should just back down on the DEFCON level is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, was just, I was just giving you crap. And then Jossie Sardis is not a midfielder. No, he's I'm not. I'm telling you that right now. No, and, and, and that, that's the thing. You remember, all right, so, uh, so throughout the U.S. Women's National Team run in the World Cup, we hammered Jill Ellis for her tactics. Why are you doing this? Four three three. You get Abby Wambach off the field. Put Morgan Bryan in the game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Bang, bang, bang. And when she finally made the changes she needed to make, in part because she had two suspensions in the game against China, there were a lot of people out there saying she felt the pressure. She heard the people. She was listening to the critics, and she made the changes she needed to make because she listened to us. Any 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 chance at all that Jurgen Klinsmann is going to listen to us if we sit here and go, Jurgen, get Jossie's artists out of midfield. Play play some actual midfielders for once. Hey, Omar Gonzalez should be in that back line. You got two 22-year-olds. Can we get a little experience, please? 
And um, Timmy Chandler is terrible. Get him off the field. Do you think he'll listen to us? Get out of the four four two diamond if you're going to play those midfielders. You think he'll listen to us? He he might if we have like an airplane with a <laughs> banner on it saying do all it is. Klinsman, change your a ass. <laughs> That's right. We need a chopper. That's what we need. We need a Yergi Klinsman helicopter flying a banner. Dear Yergi, here are our demands. That would be a long message. Be a really long message. <laughs> Daniel, got anything else before I let you go, man? Uh, the Atlanta logo has me like, eh, you know? Yeah. But other than that, I mean, the. It's fine. The it's fine. Thing. I think gold is a bold, a bold choice. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. It man. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. There goes, uh, there goes Daniel in Atlanta. He says, meh. I say meh. The Ringo show on Twitter. Atlanta logo is fine. I hate people. Uh, I hate people are saying be creative. That's how we got names like Fusion and Wizards. U.S. fans whine a lot. We got Fusion and Wizards because Adidas and Nike are weird. That's why we got Fusion and Wizards. Jeff in Orlando, you're on the air. Hey, Jason, how are you? I'm good, my friend. What's on your mind? Good. Uh, so I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to, to listen yesterday, but I'm thinking about the men's national team and the Gold Cup game. Is it possible that our best collection of players can't play together on the field at the same time, and we need to mix in more role guys. Sure, that's possible. It's happened to a lot of teams through throughout history. I mean, that's what that's what team building yeah. is. Team building is not picking the eleven best players or picking the best guys in each position and throwing them out there and say go win games. I mean, we've seen some of the greatest soccer countries in the world take that mentality and fall flat on their face. Uh, it's an issue of chemistry. It's an issue of best fit. It's, it's obviously formation and tactics depending on who fits what role. And I think what we saw on Friday night, or, uh, yeah, Friday night was, or Tuesday, sorry. My days are really confused. What we saw on Tuesday was that Klinsman had some notion of who fit where, but it was wrong. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to fail. It doesn't mean they're going to fail against Haiti, and it doesn't mean they can't go win the thing. But he better take some some lessons out of that game. Yeah, I, I mean, I I certainly liked what I've seen from from Zardis, uh, and I, I think he's got a place. But I I don't know that that a formation with both Zardis and Nedlin in the midfield is going to work. Agreed. And then I don't know that I I remember recently Dempsey and Altador playing together effectively. Up top. I mean, maybe, I, I, maybe I, I, and it, it's been a long time because I didn't get to do it in the World Cup, and maybe it happened in the qualifiers. I, I'm just thinking from the, the collection of players, like, okay, Dempsey's one of our best, Altador's one of our best, this guy's one of our best, and and maybe that's maybe they just need to mix in some more role players, and and I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know well, what ones. I, 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 I just think I just that. think Jeff. Thanks for the call, man. I gotta I gotta move on. I just think that uh, speaking about the the, the striker situation. I understand what Josie Outdoor is in the game to do. I understand what Clint Dempsey is in the game to do. I think that while Clinton is trying to get the rest of the team to work as some cohesive unit, and I agree with Steven on Twitter, he's got some notion of total football elements to it. It's not working, but I think that's maybe where his mindset is. When you talk about the striker duo, you've got two guys doing very different things, and that that is not always a problem. Sometimes you want that diversity, but in this case, I think Clint Dempsey is best when he's paired with somebody he can work off of, who he can combine with, and that's not Josie Altidore. It has not worked that way between these two players, and and we're also seeing, again, perhaps this is because of where Michael Bradley is being positioned, perhaps it's because of the lack of uh, support up the wings with Yedlin and, and Jesse Zardes and sort of their abilities in the possession game. Clint Dempsey is being forced to drop back to pick up the ball, and that's causing, I think, some uh, ripple effect across the team that, you know, for whatever reason, Klinsman hasn't fixed yet. So I'd like him to fix it. That's what I'm saying. That That's where we are. Let's take a break. When we come back, excuse me, Daniel Squizzato from Canadian Soccer News will join us. We'll talk about Canada's opening to their Gold Cup. Kyle Larry, man, that's rough. That's rough. Be right back. This week, the U.S. men's national team kicks off its campaign to try to win back-to-back Gold Cups for the first time since 2005 and 2007. 
As many of you know, the past month of Women's World Cup and Copa America coverage have been augmented by our sponsor, Rabble.tv. They've given people like me, Jerry Dubois, and Thomas Floyd an opportunity to provide you with an alternate commentary to several memorable games. Now that the Gold Cup is kicking off, we're going to continue our relationship with Rabble. Each U.S. game over the next week will feature a Rabble audio broadcast, including Friday's game, where I'll be bringing you USA against Haiti, as well as Monday, July 13th's game between USA and Panama, which will feature audio dialogue from World Soccer Talk's Cardiff Krishnair. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to me sharing my analysis. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Cheer on the red, white, and blue with Rabble.tv today. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. I got confused and used the same song twice. That's what kind of Thursday it is. Luckily, the man on the line is going to save me. Trevor's giving me crap in the text messaging here. It's just a disaster today. Daniel Squizado, can't get your name out either. Daniel Squizado is on the line with us uh, from Canada to talk about Canada. Daniel, how are you? Well, I mean, I could be better, all things considered, but now that I'm here with you gentlemen, I'm feeling feeling a little bit nicer, for sure. Uh, well, I appreciate that. I, I think it's an out-and-out out lie, but I do appreciate you saying it. Now, uh, I imagine you'd feel better if Canada managed to score a goal last night against El Salvador in their Gold Cup opener, Group B. Uh, the saving grace is that uh, Jamaica and Costa Rica drew as well, but in terms of that performance, Daniel, is there is there anything to take away from it? Um, you know, lots of co- commentary... And I, I don't know if you had the same uh, same pairing as we did, but Glenn Davis and Yanis Mihalik were talking a lot about the power of Canada versus the possession of El Salvador. Is that the way it played out? Well, yeah, we uh, we did have that feed up here as well, and uh, and there was quite a bit of talk, as you said, about that dynamic of Canada playing that physical route one direct sort of soccer, which I think is something that is stereotypically attributed to the Canadian team, although it's not necessarily what Benito Floro has had them playing in, in the two years that he's been in charge. Uh, what we did see yesterday, though, was that the team, I mean, realistically was playing a bit more direct than they usually would, and that was a byproduct of a bit of a uh, inexperienced and perhaps surprising selections in uh, in the midfield. Uh, Atiba Hutchinson, not at the tournament due to injury. Will Johnson, not at the tournament still with uh, with the Portland Timbers. And uh, somewhat surprisingly, Julian de Guzman, the long-serving veteran, also not in the starting lineup against El Salvador, didn't get on the field at all during that game. Uh, so in their place, you had youngsters like Samuel Piet. You had the much-maligned Kyle Becker. Uh, you had Adam Strait in, in the holding uh, defensive midfielder role. And, uh, and, and so it did come to pass that Canada was bypassing its midfield on, yeah. on a lot of occasions in attempting to get the ball forward. It did not have the greatest of success, huh. as we saw from from the final scoreline there. But uh, but not the not the greatest performance we've seen from the Canadian team. But as a long as a long time fan, I can tell you certainly very far from the worst one we've seen either. Well, okay, so I mean, you certainly have to throw out those caveats if you're missing some major pieces. And I and I believe De Guzman failed a, a a fitness test before the game. Is that what you've heard, or what was the situation there? Well, it's, it, it would be unfortunate if that was the case. I mean, the reality of the of the Gold Cup tournament is that you are playing three three games in in seven days. Uh, you are going to need legs that are as fresh as possible. And and De Guzman, at 34 years of age, does have a lot of miles on those legs. If um, if it was a matter of fitness, that would be that would be a little bit surprising to me, given that what we've heard from Julian in recent interviews as it relates to this tournament and the team at this point um, was the importance of players coming into coming into the tournament being sharp and being fit and uh, this isn't this isn't um, the case like it was for him last year where he was without a club for uh, for a long stretch of time he is playing with the Ottawa Fury in the NASL is getting regular minutes so uh so that would be surprising to me, uh, quite frankly, although this is the Gold Cup, this is the Canadian team, so I think by this point nothing should really completely surprise me, truth be told. 
You know, there is some. There, there was a lot of youth in that team, probably because of some of these uh, these absences. But there was a lot of youth in that team, and certainly up top with Kyle Laren. And I don't want to make this all about Kyle Laren because you know it's about a ninety minute performance quiz. But the, the, that miss uh, was extremely painful, and, and it's the kind of thing that you could imagine might might help uh, or might hurt a young player's confidence pretty significantly. I, I don't want to put I don't want to put ruin on the table, but certainly it could hurt him for some some period of time. And rather than stick with him, give him a chance to 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 come back and and maybe get one, Floro pulls him. How did you feel about that move? Well, I'm I'm going to take the the logical next step that I think uh, a lot of people are already taking based on some of the comments I've seen on Twitter. This is probably what should happen. I can only assume that Kyle Laren is going to announce his retirement today <laughs> because there's, there's simply no coming back from something like that. Uh, no, I mean Jason, you uh, as, as you say, it's it's it, you never want to make it all about one player uh and and i mean we saw we saw canadians come back with a somewhat endearing attitude uh, a couple of weeks ago the women's world cup when uh, one player made an error but but it was a team dynamic after all and everyone uh, w- was quick to mention that so i would hope i would hope that people have a similarly uh, conciliatory attitude of, about this uh, about this game and about this miss look i'm sure nobody feels worse about that situation and and, and that missed opportunity than Kyle does. He's there to score goals, and he missed about as good a chance as any player's ever likely to get. As for him coming out of the game in, I think it was around the 60th minute, probably earlier than you would would suspect, uh, it really was unfortunate, and I assume that that was probably part of Floro's game plan from the start. Again, talking about the short tournament, Laren is going to be relied upon as the main goal-scoring threat for this team for the remainder of this tournament. Uh, regardless of of what happened in the game against El Salvador, and the timing just re- is really awful that he didn't get a chance to get out there, get some kind of redemption, at least get a couple of you know a couple more good looks at goal, and uh, and that really could have a, a detrimental effect on him at this point because as you say, they're right back into the mix on Saturday. He's 20 years old. He's had a lot of success with. Orlando City uh, and, and got good momentum from there. So uh, one would really hope that this doesn't send him uh, in, in, into a bit of a, a tailspin as it relates to the national team. But that, that's the good and the bad of a short tournament. He has a chance to go back out there 72 hours after that miss and, and hopefully put it behind him. And if he can, then we might be seeing a much different result for Canada on Saturday. Um, you know, when Canada goes into a tournament like the Gold Cup, and, and it is every, an every two years tournament, so there is uh, some regularity with this rather than having to wait, um, you know, every four years for a qualifying cycle, putting all your eggs in one basket, it, it comes a little quicker than that. But still, you know, there's a lot of pressure to perform in these moments. And, and you as a longtime observer and fan of the, of the, the team may have some notion of the plan, Daniel, but, not everybody can, can appreciate that. So, therefore, there's a lot of pressure to perform. And when you get to these moments and you're missing Atiba Hutchinson and uh, you've got, you know, you're missing your number one goalkeeper and you've got some other injuries and De Guzman isn't playing for whatever reason, how do you feel, how do you feel about, how do you reconcile the fact that, hey, this isn't our best team, but we've got to step up and make some headway here, not just for proof that we're progressing, but also to, to grab more attention and get more interest in Canada? Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've written recently that um, as much as close observers of the team might want to hem and haw and equivocate and say, well, it could have gone differently, or well, if we had our full lineup, or well, if so-and-so didn't run off and play for a different country or decide not to play for us or whatever sorts of excuses we tend to come up with to make ourselves feel better uh, and, and be able to sleep at night, the reality is that for the bulk of the Canadian sporting population, and this goes for any team, any national team, any team anywhere, what they will respond to um, is success on the field in games that matter. And so, that you know, it was all well and good that the Canadian team came into this tournament with some momentum. They had won four straight, but these were untelevised friendlies. These were untelevised World Cup qualifiers, which is a thing that happens up here, by the way. Um <laughs> And this was this game against El Salvador, this tournament, this Gold Cup, was the first chance that most people got to, to see the team play in uh, what were meaningful games. In terms of where they fit into the long-term plan, uh, from speaking to 
Benito Floro prior to the tournament. Of course, he does put importance on this Gold Cup. He wants the team to do well. He wants them to go far. He wants them to get a crack at the Copa America Centenario. But interestingly, one of the first things he said was that it serves, the Gold Cup does, as good preparation for the next World Cup qualifiers in September. Mm-hmm. And, and that, I think, is probably a prudent way to look at things because when it comes to the Gold Cup, a deep and successful run in the Gold Cup would attract some attention. But given all of the things you mentioned, the injuries and the transitional nature of, of the squad at this moment, and even the fact that there are a couple of uh, youngsters that might have competed for a spot on this team who are playing on the Pan American squad uh, in, uh, in Toronto and Hamilton in, in coming weeks and weren't available for this squad... Uh, uh, you know, if Canada were to somehow win the Gold Cup, that would be a nice temporary boost. Is that something that we could have realistically depended upon? Probably not. Can we realistically depend upon it now? Even less likely. Um, but I think Floro knows that in the grand scheme, what is going to hook people in, be it players, coaches, fans, uh, corporate sponsors, is success in World Cup qualifying. And so I think that uh, for Benito Floro, if he can take lessons out of this tournament about his strategy, his tactics, his player pool, or anything else, and apply those to World Cup qualifying and have greater success there and actually reach the hex for the first time, uh, have Canada reach the hex for the first time since 1997, mm-hmm. uh, I think that he would, he would most likely take that. And in the grand scheme, I think most Canadian fans would, would take that sure. as well, however painful it may be in the, in, in the time being. Well, let's look at the time being, just, just because, you know, n- nothing's settled. There's still a chance here for Canada to do something positive, and, and I imagine that they're, they're capable of that on their best days, Dan and, and Daniel. And so you look at this group, you've got, um, you got everybody on one point now with Costa Rica and Jamaica, and, uh, Jamaica drawing in their, in their match, and Canada with Jamaica on Saturday at, uh, at BBVA Compass Stadium in, in Houston. I imagine it's going to be hot and humid. How do you see that playing out, and ultimately, how do you see the group playing out? Yeah, the, 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 before I answer, I should just say that the folks listening, you know that you're talking to a legitimate Canadian because I've despondently written off our chances in the tournament <laughs> one game in after an opening draw. When, as you say, things are realistically very much alive. This is this is Jamaica and Costa Rica that Canada have up next. It's not, you know, it's it's. They're, they're CONCACAF powers or, they, or middling powers at best, but these are not world powers. No. And as we saw in, in their opening game, uh, both of those teams are susceptible to mistakes. Of course, Canada is also susceptible to mistakes, so that's besides the point. Uh, in terms of the game coming up on Saturday, um, folks may remember that Canada, as recently as last September, actually defeated Jamaica by a 3-1 scoreline. Of course, Jamaica was missing a few players. It was in Toronto. And, uh, and Canada had what was pretty close to, to a first-choice squad. So um, Benito Flora has said himself that he is not coming in expecting the same sort of 3-1 scoreline that they had in that game. Um, but generally speaking, historically, these are two teams that are in that sort of what I call the mushy middle of, of CONCACAF. You know, they're not powerhouses by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, they can get a good result uh, time and again, or they can also uh, fail to get results when 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 um, when called upon. Uh, Jamaica, like MLS, has um, a strong influence of of MLS players, of domestic players, which is going to give them that additional level of familiarity um, with with the with the tournament and with the venue in which they'll be playing. Um, but if we're, if we're looking at predictions, I think we're going to see a few roster changes for the Canadian squad. I think we're going to see the likes of Jonathan Osorio uh, or Russell Tybert getting mm-hmm. getting the start in this game, possibly even both of them, because we've seen them both make a good, strong, positive impacts for the Canadian team under Benito Floro, including the game against El Salvador. Um, you know, we could see other roster rotation as well. Canada is in this rare, wonderful situation where they have what I would say is legitimate depth at, at each option. You know, you could see other players that, that fans are familiar with. Ashton Morgan's been having good season with Toronto FC. We could see him get in there. Carl Wimet has had a bit of a renaissance with New York Red Bulls. We could see him get in there. 
you know, so, so there are options for Floro as part of this short tournament. As you say, the heat is going to be stifling, um, but I think, I think that even after that one game, it's not time to throw the baby out with the bathwater just yet. It's not time to fire Floro, which is a preposterous situation I saw legitimately floated on Twitter. Okay. It's time to settle down, settle in, and see what the team can do in this game. Because realistically, three points is a possibility for Canada in this game. And if that happens, all of a sudden everything's been flipped on its head. Yeah. Of course, zero points is also a possibility. So we'll just have to see what happens out on the field on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, Squiz, there's, um, you know, there's some other stories bouncing around uh, Canadian soccer. I know that there, uh, there's work being done to launch a, a national league. I, uh, we've talked to... Dwayne Rollins on this show about that uh, possibility. Do you know where that stands, and what do you what do you make of that effort, and what what benefit it can uh, bring to Canadian soccer? Yeah, well, Dwayne is, is has been at the forefront of of reporting this story right from the start, and uh, and so I imagine he's given you guys plenty of insight there as to as to what's going on behind the scenes in that regard. I, I mean, it's no secret that the folks at the CSA want um, they want to create a situation where there are more playing opportunities for Canadian players. Um, what we're seeing currently is the creation of what they call high-performance leagues. There's one in Ontario, one in, in Quebec, and there, and there might be one in, in British Columbia soon as well. And these are kind of semi-pro leagues meant to be a bit of a, bit of a bridge from the youth setup into, into professional environments. Uh, Kyle Laren played with... Uh, with a team in League One Ontario last year, that's probably one of the most recent success stories. Kind of splitting time between between them and the University of Connecticut. Um, but what Dwayne Rollins has been has been reporting on, and uh, is, is the suggestion that there could be uh, an actual Canadian professional league coming up sometime soon, possibly within within the next few years, uh, and whether. Whether this has anything to do with Canada's recent hosting of the Women's World Cup and their stated goal of pitching FIFA on hosting the 2026 Men's World Cup, mm-hmm. I can't say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I can I can say those things one after another and let people draw their own conclusions, but I cannot explicitly say that this is something that uh, that I know to be <laughs> okay. that I know to be a fact. Uh-huh. Um, but um, but I think as as I say the. The heads of the, of the CSA have been looking for years for ways to create more playing opportunities for uh, for Canadian players. I mean, I know that they've they've been in constant conversation with teams in MLS uh, in terms of getting getting more players on those rosters and uh, and what this league would be and what it would look like. I think that uh, you know it, it's all going to be contingent on what what cities are involved and what sort of investors are involved if this does come to pass because uh you know it's it's not it's not something that's going to compete with or take over the spot that MLS occupies and so it would be very interesting to see where it actually does land and 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 who is involved because uh, I know, I know a lot of people up here are dismissing it from the start and saying that it's that it's not worth trying but uh but I think that if if there is legitimate interest from folks with with deep pockets, then you know we could see mm-hmm. we could see something get off the ground. But um, but as I say, it's 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 all going to be contingent on who is actually involved, and I think that that'll give us a clearer view of uh, of what level of success this uh, this this might have if it does come to pass in uh, in the next little while. It's certainly an intriguing possibility, and as you said, it, you know we have to remember that when these things start up and and. Even 20 years into MLS, we're still seeing some incubation happening in various areas. Um, and, and, you know, as the league continues to, to, to grow, you can, uh, you can see more and, and more of the, um, the elements of a, a fully formed soccer league coming to, to pass. So when, when these new leagues start up, be it the, the NASL five years ago or, uh, which was essentially a new league, despite the fact that some of those, most of those teams were, uh, were coming over from USL or you see, um, uh, Canada look look towards this. We, we have to remember these are baby steps. This, this is going to take a long time before it resembles anything that we recognize as major top level soccer in any form. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that um, you know I, I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around what the major sales pitch of such a Canadian league would be 
to potential fans. Uh, I mean, I know that we have had, you know, in, in Toronto, in Montreal, in Vancouver, people have adopted the MLS teams. They get good support for the most part. Um, uh, but but in, in some cases, that has taken a couple of years. And as you say, all three of those Canadian teams came into MLS at a time where, as you say, the league was or is in its ascendancy, you know, for, for whatever whatever foibles it may have, whatever uh, issues people people may have with the league, this is this is a league, you know, people, um, you know, they, they hear the commissioner's goal to be a top 10 league by, I think it was 20, 2020. Of course, that's a metric that can never really be judged. But right. you look at the, the, you know, the caliber of play, the caliber of venues, uh, um, and, and, and sorts of other things associated with MLS, MLS is, is, is a really good league, and I know people don't, you know, don't like to admit that, but it, it really kind of is, you know, and, and you do have some of these, you know, you look at some of the players, for instance, that, that Toronto FC has brought over um, in recent years, it gives it that, 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 um, that bit of legitimacy that, that fans want and need uh, to, to really truly latch on to it. And so I wonder, you know, um, is, is the nationalism element um, would that be enough to get people yeah. fully emotionally invested in a local Canadian team? You know, maybe not even necessarily in Toronto, Montreal, or Vancouver, but in in other cities. I mean, will people pay to watch games simply because they know it's helping to to further the Canadian soccer structure? I mean, I hope they will. And if a team sets up shop anywhere near where I live, I'll buy season tickets on day one. Um, so I sincerely hope that you know. Anything that gives more Canadian players uh, a, a chance to play regularly is going to be good for our national team, and so it's something that that, that I would definitely take an interest in. But um, in terms of the prospects of such a league having success, I very, very much hope it would it would have some measure of success and could peacefully coexist with MLS and NASL while helping to feed our national team. Um, but again, before making any kind of predictions, we'd really have to know what cities are involved and what investors are involved. Yeah. Daniel Scruzzato from MLSsoccer.com, Canadian Soccer News. Follow him on Twitter. What's the, what's the handle? Uh, handle? I followed you for so long, I don't know if it's changed. What, what is it? Uh, it, it did change a couple of years ago, but it's my full name, which I'll spell out. It's uh, Daniel F Q U I Z Z. That Z for you Americans. Uh, a T O. The whole thing. You put the whole thing in there. I'm surprised it makes it. Actually, I, you're like one. Yeah, the additional words. Yeah, it's not like uh, you know. I, I should have just gone with uh, alphabet or too long for a name, but. Leander has <laughs> word, so. Yeah, Leander's already got that locked down. Daniel, I appreciate the time and the. In the inside, and uh, I will I will maintain this. I, I want Canada to to uh, to be better, to improve, and to challenge uh, for Concacaf ascendancy or uh, pr- uh, uh, primacy. So I hope that that uh, starts in this particular Gold Cup. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you very much. And if I could just for one more last thing out quickly, because obviously there are uh, a lot of um, my friends south of the border listening to this. I just want to say, for anyone who followed me during the Women's World Cup, I, I, I love your country. I really do. I, I mean that. You know, you're, you're good people. Uh, you know, America's a great place. But this is a soccer rivalry, yes, right? If right. we can't get excited about this and if uh, we can't troll each other over this, then what's the point? Well, so anyway, congrats in the win of the Gold Cup. <laughs> and, uh, and, and everything's everyone fine. Have a great everything's fine. Squiz, I said on Twitter during the tournament at some point, and this is after Canada had gone out, and it was just a lot of bitterness from my Canadian soccer friends, and I understood it. I, I got it. I'd be bitter too. I said, American soccer Twitter and Canadian soccer Twitter are roommates who fight a lot and then go get drunk together afterwards. That's that's who we are. That sounds perfectly accurate, except maybe sometimes Canadians go and get drunk alone. But no, you can, but, yeah, we, all, we all need our alone time sometimes, and I can understand that. Squiz, uh, appreciate the time. Hopefully we'll, we'll be able to talk to you soon uh, down the road in the Gold Cup. Yeah, great to talk to you. Take care. There goes uh, Daniel Squizato. Good stuff from him. On a Thursday morning, we'll get ready to wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning here on uh, uh, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, at Soccer Morning. Make sure you're following Daniel. He's a good follow. Daniel Squizzato. That's two Zs or two Zs, as he said. Otherwise, it's very phonetic. It's one of those Italian names that sounds like it's spelled. So don't worry about that too much. 
lots of stuff happening in the in the world of soccer. We'll be uh, hitting it pretty hard over at Series XM FC ninety four a little bit later today, eleven o'clock a.m. Eastern is the start time for that show. Uh, good guests lined up over there. If you happen to be a subscriber, United States taking on Haiti tomorrow night. We'll be looking ahead at that match when we get uh, when we get on the air tomorrow morning. Make sure you're going over to iTunes. If you listen via podcast, even if you don't, if you don't listen via podcast, you listen live, or hell, you listen on Stitcher or TuneIn or whatever other, we have a, the NASN app, is that still a thing? I know we're backyield.com now, but I, I don't know. If you, whatever manner, whatever manner of, uh, of technology you use to listen to the show, make sure you're giving us a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps out a lot. Uh, you can, um, you can uh, hit us up, as I said, on Twitter. Uh, what else? What else is out there? Oh, I got a, this thing called Bindle, which is an app for your phone. has a chat room function. We got a bunch of people in there talking soccer morning topics, which is always fun. Join me over there. Uh, and I think that's it. I think we're done. Appreciate uh, your time on a Thursday. Enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your soccer. And come back and talk to us tomorrow. Soccer morning, worldsoccertalk.com. See you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.